Colossians 3, chapter, uh, three, Colossians 3, verse 1 says, If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things of the earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ and God. Look forward to what the Lord has for us today. Dad, would you open us in a prayer, and then we'll get into Patch. All right, we will hear from the little maidies first.
Lastly, we'll hear from the sailors.
Dandy movie scene, page 56. <clears throat> when we all get to heaven.
wash my feet you took my fall and though you were rich you became poor that you would die that I might live you poured out your soul even to death taking my sin just to You would please take your Bibles and turn to the book of 1 Samuel, chapter number 8. 1 Samuel, chapter number 8. 1 Samuel, chapter number 8. It's Crystal and I had the opportunity to go to uh, Heartland this week and uh, had, uh, had an opportunity to spend some time uh, with some current students, some friends of ours that went to school with us um, all those years ago. And, uh, but uh, it was good, a uh, good uh, time of refreshment. It was uh, somewhat exhausting, but also refreshing at the same time. And uh, so thank you for those of you that thought, thought about us while we were away. And uh, we appreciate the opportunity to be back, though. 
And uh, so 1 Samuel chapter number 8, if you would, and uh, look at verse number 1. <clears throat> and it came to pass, when Samuel was old, that he made his sons judges over Israel. Now the name of his firstborn was Joel, and the name of his second, Abiah. They were judges in Beersheba. And his sons walked not in his ways, but turned aside after lucre and took bribes and perverted judgment. Then all the elders of Israel gathered themselves together and came to Samuel and to Ramah, and said unto him, Behold, thou art old, and thy sons walk not in thy ways. Now make us a king to judge us like all the nations. But the thing displeased Samuel when they said, Give us a king to judge us. And Samuel prayed unto the Lord. And the Lord said unto Samuel, Hearken unto the voice of the people in all that they say unto thee, for they have not rejected thee, but they have rejected me, that I should not reign over them. According to all the works which they have done since the day that I brought them up out of Egypt, even unto this day, wherewith they have forsaken me and served other gods, so do they also unto thee. Now therefore hearken unto their voice, howbeit yet protest solemnly unto them, and show them the manner of the king that shall reign over them. And Samuel told all the words of the Lord unto a people that asked of him a king. And he said, This will be the manner of the king that shall reign over you. He will take your sons and appoint them for himself and his chariots to, and to be his horsemen. And some shall run before his chariots. And he will appoint him captains over thousands and captains over fifties. And will set them to ear his ground and to reap his harvest and to make his instruments of war and instruments of his chariots. And he will take your daughters to be confectionaries and to be cooks and to be bakers. And he will take your fields and your vineyards and your oliveyards and uh, even the best of them and give them to his servants. And he will take the tenth of your seed and of your vineyards and give to his officers and to his servants. And he will take your men servants and your maid servants and your goodliest young men and your asses and put them to his work. He will take the tenth of your sheep and ye shall be his servants. And ye shall cry out in that day because of your king which ye have chosen you. And the Lord will not hear you in that day. Nevertheless, the people refused to obey the voice of Samuel, and they said, Nay, but we will have a king over us, that we also may be like all the nations, and that our king may judge us and go out before us and fight our battles. And Samuel heard all the words of the people, and he rehearsed them in the ears of the Lord. And the Lord said to Samuel, Hearken unto their voice, and make them a king. And Samuel said unto the men of Israel, Go ye every man unto his city. And the title of the message this afternoon is Greener Grass. Greener grass. Father, thank you so much for everything given to us. Thank you for the, um, the patch uh, program that we had. It's such a blessing to hear the kids sing about you, their love for you, their, your love for the world. And um, Lord, thank you so much for the verses that they memorized and quoted for us in honor of you. And Lord, I just ask, I thank you for that. Lord, I ask that as we look at your word this afternoon that you'd help us to be soft-hearted toward what you have for us. Help me uh, to say what you'd want me to say. And uh, Lord, I ask that you'd be honored and glorified in Jesus' name. Amen. Of course, you know the saying, uh, the grass is not always greener on the other side of the fence. Uh, someone has uh, adapted that to say this, that if the grass looks greener on the other side of the fence, it's probably because they have a much higher water bill. And uh, that uh, was, is certainly the case nowadays. And, uh, and so we'll see as we look at this text, though, that Israel looked on the other side of the fence, and not only did they not find greener grass, but they also found a much higher water bill, uh, to stay with the analogy. Uh, and so let's, uh, we'll go through this text, and we'll see, uh, see what the Lord has for us. First, number one through five, we see that Israel asks, uh, uh, Israel asks Samuel for a king. 
Um, we find in chapter number 12, you don't have to turn over there, but chapter 12 and uh, verse number 12, it, it, it reveals to us kind of the reason why they asked for a king. Verse number 12 of chapter 12, when he saw that Nahash, the king of the children of Ammon, came against you, he said unto me, Nay, but a king shall reign over us when the Lord your God was your king. And so uh, Samuel reveals later on, after he's already anointed Saul uh, as king over Israel, that uh, the, the reason that Israel asked for a king is because they start to got, they start to get a little antsy, uh, right? You remember that in chapter number uh, chapter number seven that uh, that that Israel and the Ammonites lived in peace for twenty years. Now that's a good long time of peace, but it seems as though the Ammonites had start to stir up. They had started to come back. They had started to rebuild their armies. Uh, you remember that Israel had put in a lot of work to regain the cities that they had lost. Uh, uh, all of the cities that the Philistines and the Ammonites had taken, they had put in the work to regain those and had lived in peace for 20 years. But now the Ammonites had started to stir back up and they have started to rebuild their army. And Israel notices this and Israel says, we can't have this. And so in order for us to, uh, in order for us to uh, be victorious in this military venture we need a king to come and to help us an earthly king to come and help us and so they go before Samuel notice verse number one came to pass that Samuel was old and he made his sons judges over Israel Uh, now this is a mistake that Samuel made notice the phrasing of it it said that Samuel made his sons judges over Israel Uh, that's not how judges were appointed over Israel uh, it's not that one person thought to himself, I think the next judge is going to be this person. Uh, God rose up judges. He raised up judges so that they would rule over the people. And it was God's responsibility to do that. It was not Samuel's. As, as in touch with God as Samuel was, uh, this was a, he overlooked this part of his life. He said, I, I think that I've been a good judge. I don't know if he said this, but I think I've been a good judge, and I think my sons are going to be the next judge of Is- judges of Israel. And so he appoints them to be rulers over Israel. But notice the type of people that Samuel's sons were, Joel and uh, Abiah. They were judges in Beersheba. In verse number 3, you find their description. And his sons walked not in his ways, but turned aside. After lucre, after and, t- and took bribes and perverted judgment, uh, the very same things uh, that the sons of Eli were guilty of, the sons of Samuel were guilty of, the very same things. And and we, you would think, and at least I think this, that you would think that Samuel would have learned his lesson. They would have made sure, but we, don't, we aren't given a reason why this was the case. Uh, it could have been that because Samuel was so busy traveling, you remember at the end of chapter 7, we find uh, Samuel's description of his life, that he went from year to year in circuit to Bethel and Gilgal, uh, Gilgal and Mizpah and judged Israel and all those places. And so maybe he was, he was gone too much, he didn't have a hold over his home. Uh, whatever the case was, his sons walked not in his ways, but instead perverted judgment. And they took bribes and they followed after lucre. And so we find that Israel is not a huge fan of this, with good reason. Uh, who would be excited about that? Verse number four, Then all the elders of Israel gathered themselves together and came to Samuel and to Ramah, and, and they said unto him, Behold, thou art old, and thy sons walk not in thy ways. Now make us a king to judge us like all the nations. Uh, how many of you have heard that uh, if you want to give some uh, criticism, you're supposed to uh, use constructive criticism, right? You're supposed to maybe sandwich the criticism in between two compliments, or, or however, you know, I'm sure you've heard it different ways. Uh, that is not the approach that, that Israel took. They came before Israel, and they came, Israel came before Samuel and said, You know what? You're an old geezer. We don't like your sons, and uh, we don't want them ruling over us. That, that's not constructive criticism. That's just straight criticism. 
You're old, and your sons walk not in your ways. Make us a king to judge us like all the nations. Notice how Samuel responds to this. I'm sure you would have probably responded pretty similar. The thing displeased Samuel when they said, Give us a king to judge us. And so Samuel prays unto the Lord. That's a good response. He suffered personal attack. He suffered the attacks that the people who he'd given his life to. He had served for, for 40 years. He served Israel. And they, they come at him and they, they criticize him. They, 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 they attack him verbally. And he says, I have to bring this before the Lord. And so he does that. And the Lord said to Samuel, Hearken unto the voice of the people in all that they say unto thee, for they have not rejected thee, but they have rejected me, that I should not reign over them. And so we understand that there, uh, God's not saying that they had, they, had, they had been okay with Samuel, but that they had rejected Samuel as king. That they had rejected Samuel and Samuel's sons as king. And, and so they had rejected Samuel, but it wasn't just that they rejected Samuel, it was that they rejected God as their king. That was, that was the, that's, that's the whole crux of it. That they rejected, not, it wasn't that they necessarily had a problem with Samuel, but, the, but they said, we don't want God to reign over us, we just want a nation, that we want a king like the other nations. We want to be like everybody else. We see how they're ruled, we see how the Ammonites are, are run, we see how the Moabites are run, we see how the, the other people in the land of Canaan, the Jebusites would have still been around, the, the Canaanites, the Moabites, the Ammonites, the, uh, all of the other ites that were in the land of promise, uh, they were run by kings, and so Israel looks around and they said, you know what, this is working pretty good for them, and it's the way we're doing it, it's not working for us, so we better go like them. We better act like the nations around us. And so verse number... Seven is uh, they say uh, God says they have not rejected Samuel to be to reign over them. They have rejected God to reign over them. Verse number eight. Uh, According to all the works which they have done since the day that I brought them up out of Egypt, even unto this day, wherewith they have forsaken me and served other gods, so do they also unto thee. We notice this that the servant is not greater than his lord. They they rejected Samuel, but so much greater was the rejection that God faced from his own people. So much greater. Verse number 9, God says, Now therefore hearken to their voice, howbeit yet, yet protest solemnly unto them, and show them the manner of the king that shall reign over them. He says, Israel's asking for a king? Well, Israel's going to pay for a king. Because having an earthly king is a costly venture. It's a very costly venture. To be like the other nations that are around them, it would not be free. It would not be easy. It would be very difficult. And so look at the price that Israel has to pay in verse number 10. Samuel told all the words of the Lord unto the people that asked of him a king. And this is the price that that Israel had to pay. He said, this will be the manner of the king that shall reign over you. He will take your sons and appoint them for himself and his chariots to be his horsemen. And some shall run before his chariots. He's going to take all of your sons to fight for him. Your sons will not be your own anymore. Your king will take your sons. It's not going to be voluntary. He will draft them into his army and they will do whatever he says. They will be taken from you. Verse number 12, and he will point them the different areas of the army. He will point them captains over thousands and captains over fifties and will set them to near his ground, not only part of the army, but also part of, the, uh, part of, uh, of re- sowing and reaping, the harvest of the, of the king's fields. And, and we see uh, as we look forward into uh, 1 Samuel chapter number 14 that this directly happens from Saul. 
It, it directly happens. Uh, turn over there. We'll, we'll look at it. First uh, Samuel chapter 14 and uh, verse number, um, let's see here, 50, uh, 52, I believe. 1 Samuel 14, verse number 15, 52. This, this exact thing happens from Saul, the very first king. And there was a sore war against the Philistines all the days of Saul. And when Saul saw any strong man or any valiant man, what does it say? He took him unto him. The exact thing that Samuel said would happen, happened. And, and more importantly, the exact thing that God said would happen, happened. God said, this, this king is a different manner of king. He's going to take your sons. And notice verse number 14. He will, notice what else he will take. He will take your fields and your vineyards and your oliveyards, even the best of them, and give them to his servants. This taking of the, of the vineyard reminds you, I'm sure, of another story, doesn't it? King Ahab went walking, right? He saw a vineyard and he took it from Naboth. He took it because that's the manner of king that they wanted. They wanted an earthly king. He will take the tenth of your seed and your vineyards and, and give, give to his officers and to his servants, and he will make your men's servants and your maid servants and your goodliest young men and your asses and, and put them to work. He will take the tenth of your sheep. And so he was, he's going to take all of this stuff. He's going to take your things. He's going to take your sons, your daughters. He's going to take your servants. He's going to take your animals. He's going to take your food. He's going to take your crops. He's going to take everything about you. He's going to take part of it. And when he's taken all of that, he's going to take you. Notice at the end of verse number 17. And ye shall be his servants. Not just he's going to take all of your stuff. He's going to take you. He made it personal to them. Even more personal than it already was. And so what does Israel do? What would you do? Uh, never mind. We're okay. We like our sheep. We like our sons. They bring us security. Right? Remember we talked about in chapter number 1. The, our sons bring us security, our sons bring us prosperity, our sons bring us identity. We like all that stuff, we're going to keep it. That's not what they did. They agreed to the terms and conditions. Have you ever done that where you just, you're signing up for something and you just check the box? Yes, I agree to the terms and conditions. You didn't read it. They read the terms and conditions. They heard them and they still said, yeah, we're going to check that box. We're, we're fine with that. We're fine if they take all of our stuff. We're fine if they take us. We're fine if we're put into servitude. We're okay with that. Because we want an earthly king. Verse number uh, 18. You shall cry out in that day because of your king which he shall have chosen you. And the Lord will not hear you in that day. Israel would come to regret this decision. They would come to regret this idea that God would not be their king. There would come a day when they would call before God. And this is repeated a number of times throughout the Old Testament. That they would call before God and God would not answer. Because they chose. They chose their allegiance. Their allegiance was to an earthly king. Notice what people, uh, notice what Israel does, verse number 19. Nevertheless, the people refuse to obey the voice of Samuel. They accept it. And they said, Nay, but we will have a king over us that we, may, that we also may be like all the nations and that our king may judge us and go out before us and fight our battles. And Samuel heard all the words of the people and, rehearsed, and he rehearsed them in the ears of the Lord. And the Lord said to Samuel, Hearken unto their voice and make them a king. And Samuel said unto the men of Israel, Go ye every man unto his city. And so we find this, that Israel wanted an earthly king. But they didn't want a king just because they wanted social or political reform. Right? It wasn't that they were just tired of having judges. Judges helped them. Right? Judges, judges helped them in the book of Judges. 
that you, you remember the cycle of the book of Judges that, that Israel would, fall, they would be doing very well and they'd be serving God and then they would fall away and they'd start to serve other gods. And what would God do? He would raise up a judge that would help them fight their battles and would judge them and show them the right way. And then Israel would repent and then they would serve God, right? And the, that cycle is, is repeated a number of times through the book of Judges. And so the judges were good for Israel. The judges were good for Israel, and so they, it wasn't that they were just interested in, in a political or a social reform, but their rejection of God as their king was a revelation of their spiritual state. It was their spiritual state, because this is, this is, the, whole, this is the whole message right here, that Israel rejected God as their king because, he, because they rejected God as their God. They rejected God as their God. This is, this is what God says. In verse number 8, look at verse number 8. Uh, according to God is speaking to Israel, he says, or to Samuel, according to all the works which they have done since the day that I brought them up out of Egypt unto this day, wherewith they have forsaken me and served other gods. It wasn't about kingship. It was about godship. It wasn't about just that they wanted someone to sit on a throne is that they, didn't, they did not care for who could ultimately provide for them and protect them and be with them. Notice their rejection of God is threefold in verse number 20. That we also may be like all the nations, that our king may judge us and go out before us and fight our battles. If I were to take a poll of what you think is probably the three most common or maybe the three most important attributes of God probably pretty quickly I would get this, that God is omniscient, omnipotent, and omnipresent, right? That's the exact three things that Israel rejected. They said, we don't want God to judge us. We don't want his omniscience. We don't want the fact that he has ultimate and heavenly wisdom. We don't want the fact that he knows everything about us and will judge us and will, and will provide right and wrong for us. We don't want that. They rejected his omniscience. They rejected his omnipresence. To, uh, they said, we want, a, we want an earthly king to judge us and to go out before us, to be in the midst of us. We, we don't want God's presence. We want an earthly king. We want someone who we can see, who we can touch, who, who, we, can, who, who, we, can, who we can hear. We want an earthly king that will be among us. We don't want God to be among us. And then we, want God to go out, we, we don't want God to go out and fight our battles. Omnipotence. His all-powerful nature. We, we don't want to win our battles by God's power. And notice, and notice that this, was, this is what God wanted to do. He wanted to fight their battles. As you read through the book of 1 Samuel, you'll notice that one of the, if not the most common, one of the most common names that God has in the book of 1 Samuel is the Lord of hosts. That's, that's his most common name. And, and that, is, that goes to show toward his military uh, fighting power for Israel that he wanted to do. He wanted to fight for Israel. And we see that in the book of Deuteronomy as well. That God is the Lord of hosts and he will fight with his armies for the people of Israel, for his own people. But Israel said, we don't want it. We don't want God's judgment. We don't want God's presence. And we don't want God's power. We don't want it. And we, as we look around this world, it's pretty easy to see that in our world. That God rejects God as God. We, we see that. We don't have to look far. We see people taking God's name in vain, people living uh, wicked lives, and even people who claim the name of God, 
living that kind of life, we, we understand that. We don't, I don't have to preach about that. We, we know that this world rejects God as God in, in, in every level. In education, in politics, in, in, in sexuality, uh, every aspect, the world rejects God. I, I don't have to preach about that. But just to even to bring it a little more in home, that's coming into religious circles. There's a church in, in, a, a, a church in San Diego uh, that's pastored by a man, by a man named Colby Martin. Uh, that the, This man, Colby Martin, even rejects that there is a God. He's the pastor of a let me say it this way, a religious community, a pastor that says, I don't even know if God's real. In the religious circles, how sad would it be for members of Shawnee Mission Baptist Temple to reject God as God? How sad would it be? I, I don't want God to judge me. I don't want his wisdom. I don't, want, I don't care for his presence. I don't want him to be with me. I, I don't want his power in my life. I don't want any of that. See, the thing about God not being your king is that God is not your God. Other things are your God. But God is the most high. It's supposed to be. Psalm 83, that men may know that thou whose name alone is Jehovah art the most high over all the earth. Uh, Exodus 20 and verse number 2 and 3, this is the first commandment. I think it's the first commandment for a reason. Uh, God said, for I, am the Lord, for I, the Lord thy God, have brought thee up out of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. That's the first commandment. The very first one. And we're worried about all the others. We can't even get past the first one. God is our God. Why is this so important? Um, A.W. Tozer has a quote that I like. He, he wrote a book entitled, The Knowledge of the Holy. And uh, he wrote this. What comes to our mind when we think about God is the most important thing about us. The most solemn fact about any man is not what he at a given time may say or do, but what he in his deep heart conceives God to be like. Were we able to extract from any man a complete answer to the question, what comes to your mind when you think about God, we might predict with certainty the spiritual future of that man. With certainty. There is scarcely any error in doctrine or a failure in applying Christian ethics that cannot be traced back to an imperfect or ignoble thoughts about God. The reason why we, have, why we allow bad doctrine into our life, the reason why we allow bad ethics into our life, the reason why we allow bad morals into our life is because we have a wrong idea about God or we have a low idea about God. A low view of God. Is, would this be disastrous for Israel? It would be. It would be. Look at... Uh, look over at the book of Hosea, please. The book of Hosea. <clears throat> Chapter number 13. Hosea chapter number 13. We find how God felt in this chapter, about 1 Samuel 8 and the situation that happened there. Verse number 11. Hosea 13, verse number 11. I gave thee a king in mine anger and took him away in my wrath. 
Was God against the king, a, an earthly king over Israel? He wasn't. Let's not, mis, let's not misunderstand. He was not against an earthly king. He made provision for it in, in Numbers in Deuteronomy. And he wanted to set up an earthly king as a picture of a greater king who was to come and who still is to come. So he is not against earthly kingship. He was, he was angry about it at that time because they did it at the wrong time. Saul wasn't supposed to be king. And so God, it says there in verse number 11, I gave thee a king in mine anger. And you'll, you'll understand, you understand as, and we'll get into a little bit more, but I'm sure that you're familiar with the destruction that Israel faced, even directly under Saul, that, that it wasn't good for them as a nation. And I, I submit to you, it's not good for us either. That when God is not our God, and when God is not our king, it has disastrous results for our life. Uh, Psalm, uh, Psalm 106, it talks about Israel's wilderness wandering, and it uses a, uses a phrase in there that, it's talking about the wilderness wanderings, but it's very applicable to even their situation in 1 Samuel 8. But it says this, that God granted them their request, and he sent leanness unto their soul. He gave them what they wanted, but, he, but they never got what they really needed. It, it was lean unto their soul. They, they were famished spiritually. They were, they were famished physically. They were famished in every aspect of life because they wanted something that God did not want them to have. Uh, uh, Proverbs chapter 13 says this, The way of the transgressor is hard. It's not easy to live against God. Uh, Proverbs 30, who, who shall go against the counsel of the Lord? Who shall stand against the Lord Most High? No one can. The way of the transgressor's heart, it's, it's disastrous when we have low or incorrect thoughts of God in our life. But is there hope? There is hope. I hope you're still in, in, in Hosea chapter number 13. Look at verse number 9. O Israel, thou hast destroyed thyself, but in me is thine help. I will be thy king. Where is any other that may save thee in all thy cities? And thy judges of whom thou saidst, give me a king and princes. I gave thee a king in mine anger and took him away in thy wrath. And, and he goes on to say uh, a bunch of different stuff about uh, the other kings. But, but God's point is this. Israel, you destroyed yourself with your decisions. But I can help you. I can help you. I am your hope. I, and I'm your only hope. There, there's no other earthly king. Uh, you remember in 1 Samuel chapter number 1 uh, that, uh, that, uh, that uh, Hannah was worried about having, a ch- uh, having children. And, w- and what did Elkanah say to her? Am I not better to thee than ten sons? And we learned this truth that no person can bear the burden of godhood. No person can. No king on earth, no earthly king would fulfill what God wanted to fulfill in Israel. No earthly king could judge them correctly. No earthly king would be able to be before them. And no earthly king would be able to, be, uh, would be able to uh, fight their battles for them. But God could. And when Israel submitted to that, and when Israel had the right view of God, then their life was not nearly as disastrous as before. Uh, this is, it plays out throughout Scripture. Um, we find this, that, that when we have a, a right view of God we will have the right reaction to God. Psalm chapter number 9, verse number 10 says this, that, that they that know thy name shall seek thee. The reason why we don't seek God is we don't know his name. We know his name, but we don't know it. 
We don't trust in who He is. And so we don't seek after Him. Why would, I pray, uh, the, uh, why would I pray for this when God hasn't answered any of my other, uh, other requests? And, and, I, and, I don't, and I'm not in my Bible, so I don't really know about God. And I'm not really paying attention during church. I'm not listening to the sermons. I'm not praying. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not doing any of that. And so when we do that, then we say, well, there's no need for me to go before God. Because you don't really know who He is. You don't know who He is. Psalm chapter number 27, look over there and then we'll be finished. Psalm chapter number 27. Psalm chapter 27. One more illustration of this. Psalm 27 and verse number 1. Psalm of David, David's writing, he says this, The Lord is my light, In my salvation, whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life, of whom shall I be afraid? David had a right view of God. He said, God is my light, and God is my salvation. And because he had a right view of God, he had a right reaction to the things of life. He said, God is my light and my salvation, I will not fear. I I, I won't fear, because I know who God is. And so, this afternoon, I want to ask you, who is your God? Because the, the question of who is your king can only come after you answer the first question of who is your God. How, how do you think about God? What a person thinks about God in his mind is the most important thing about him. One person said this, that every person is a theologian. Every person has an understanding of who God is. Everyone. But depending on what that, what that is, depends on how you react to life. If you're a poor study of God, if you have low thoughts of God, then your life is not going to be very good. Destruction. The way of the transgressor is hard. And so is God your God? And if God is your God, then you can answer this question. Is God your king? Father, thank you so much that you are the most high over all the earth. And, Lord, how often do we not treat you that way? And for that, we stand in need of forgiveness, stand in need of the blood of Christ. And, uh, Lord, help us in this time of invitation to truly look inside and answer the question, are you really our God? And what kind of thoughts do we have about you? Because low and incorrect thoughts of you lead to a destructive life. Help us in the time of invitation. In Jesus' name, amen. As we stand to our feet, the piano begins to play. How would you answer the question, what do I think about God? If it's low, or if it's incorrect, or if it's ignoble, then disaster will come. But there is hope. When you view God for who he really is, then there's security and prosperity. As Brother Jay sings verse number one, the Lord spoke in your heart, come and do business with him.
just before uh, Brother Zach comes uh, with our announcements, just a reminder to the teenagers that we need to practice right after the service before the adult choir um, sings and so or practices. So be sure to just come right up uh, and practice in the choir loft. Thank you. A few announcements to go through. Um, Fall Praise Festival is this Saturday, starting at 4:30 at the Fosters. Um, if you need a map or directions, you can either talk to Chuck or any of the Fosters can help with that. Um, then on Sunday this next week will be the teen fundraiser, which will be a Mexican fiesta. Uh, so if you haven't looked at the sign-up sheet, uh, make sure we have everything. I haven't looked at it tonight, so I'm not sure if we need anything else, but just make sure and check that. Um, and then we have a ladies' Thanksgiving coming up in two weeks on November 5th. Uh, daylight si savings time will also be in two weeks, November 6th. So just keep a keep that in mind to turn it, to adjust your clocks. Uh, then on November 13th, we'll have a guest speaker. Uh, Martin Kuhn will be uh, speaking for Veterans Day. And then on the 18th, there's going to be a youth rally. Um, and then just as a reminder, keep uh, Russ Lyons in prayer as he's uh, dealing with pneumonia, That just that he has a quick recovery. Uh, Brother Eckler, do you mind... Yes, in prayer.